I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis and find the first chapter, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject on this Mother's Day, God's Word and the Family. What does God's Word say about marriage? And what does God's Word say about the family? You know, someone says, well, you know, uh, I'd like to really understand what marriage is and what marriage is all about. And I would really like to understand what God had in mind with the family and parents and children. Well, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder about the truth about marriage and the family. The Word of God is unmistakably clear. I mean, it is so clear. You know, uh, for years now, the society in which we live has been trying and to somewhat successfully redefine marriage. And they've been re- trying to redefine the family. I mean, from every direction, whether it's media, Hollywood, education, it's just like, now wait a minute, you know, we don't know about this quote unquote traditional family. We don't know about the traditional concept of marriage. Now, now listen to me. Uh, it has nothing to do with the traditional concept of family. It has nothing to do with the traditional concept of marriage. It is what God says about the family. And it's what God says about marriage. And so in this day in which uh, every effort is being made to move us away from the biblical understanding of this this is what marriage is. Or to move us away from this is what the family is while every attempt is being made to move us away from that position. Was it not tragic and ironic that the week in which we celebrate Mother's Day, that the President of the United States of America said that in his process, he has now come to the place that he approves of and supports same-sex marriage. Now, Now, this is not some insignificant individual. I mean, this is the president of the United States of America. He says, I believe it's perfectly legitimate, fine, and I approve of a man being married to a man, a woman being married to a woman. I believe, he said, and approve of same-sex marriage. So he says, I'm, I'm ready to redefine marriage and the family. And then it got a little worse when one of the people running for president said, well, I believe a man in marriage is between a man and a woman. Well, thank God he knows that. But he said, I do believe it's all right for same-sex 
couples to adopt children. And, I, and, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I thought to myself, has everybody gone crazy? Really? And see, this is totally contrary to everything the Bible teaches. And it is totally contrary to the principles upon which our, our nation was founded. It violates our Christian conscience when this stuff is absolutely said, well, no, this is the way it is, and this is the way that it's supposed to be. Well, I, I just let's just look at the Bible and let God's Word speak. L- let Him speak. And, and, and when He speaks, He doesn't stutter, y'all. I want y'all to understand that. So in, in the book of Genesis, let's just go and say, well, well what is uh, what is marriage? And what is the family? All right, we begin reading in Genesis 1.26. And I'm just going to read the Word of God. And I, I'm going to tell you something. If I want to find out the truth, I'm not going to listen to the latest philosophy of man. I'm going to listen to the Word of the living God. It has stood the test of time. Any society that has built its fabric on this book has been blessed. Any society that has gone against this book ultimately faces destruction. There's no question about it. So it says in Genesis 1.26, And God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and, and, and over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So now listen. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. All right, now then God blessed them, male and female. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion over it. Uh, Can I ask you a question? How can two men be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> How can two women who are married fruit be fruitful and multiply? How can that happen? It can't. The only way they could ever increase the size of their family is to recruit someone else into it. There sure won't be anybody born into it. And so God said, hey, male and female, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Then we go over to Genesis chapter 2. Now just listen to God defining. He makes it so clear what marriage is and the family is. And the Lord God said, this is Genesis 2.18, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Verse 22, 21 of Genesis 2. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed it, closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. Well, I, I, all right. Now, if you know the difference between a man and a woman, raise your hand. Good. Okay. All right. Now, we got that understood. It says, uh, the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. We're fixing to have a wedding here, y'all. 
It's called marriage. Then Adam said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, now, now listen, Th- this is marriage. This is family. This is it. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Hey, by the way, father and mother, a man and a woman. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, (laughs) the man and his wife, but they were not ashamed. So, it's obvious that marriage is between a man and a woman. And that's the way it was created by God, and that's the only way it can be blessed. Well, then you go over to to chapter 4 of Genesis. And look at verse 1 and 2, and we see that they do exactly what God told them to do. They were fruitful and multiplied and replenished the earth. We read in in chapter 4, And now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So here God creates a man and a woman, brings them together, tells them to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, and then they have children. So marriage between a man and a woman, and when physically possible, as far as health is concerned, there is children. So the Bible is absolutely clear about what marriage is and the family is. The attempt to redefine the family quote, same-sex marriage or whatever, clearly violates the Word of God. And it is clearly a sin against God. I mean, there's no other way you can interpret it, and there's no other way you can understand it. Now, like it or not, in this country, there is the freedom for two men to live together as partners. There's freedom for two women to live together. See, one of the things about this nation is where there's freedom, there's freedom to do right, and there's also freedom to do wrong. Now, in some countries, there's no freedom. (laughs) So, it's not the issue that we're dealing with in America. It's not the freedom of if two men want to live together they have that freedom. While we believe the Bible teaches that if they, as they live together in a sexual union, that it's a sin against God. But there is that freedom. And so that's not the issue. Let me tell you what the issue is. The issue is this, that they want us to approve of same-sex marriage. And they want us to legalize same-sex marriage. And that is a violation of our Christian conscience. That's a violation of our belief in the Word of God. And we say absolutely, under no condition, will we ever, ever, ever approve of anything like that. Never in a thousand years. And, but now you know what they say? They say, well, now see there, uh, you, 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 you're, you're, you're prejudiced. You're just prejudiced against... Uh, homosexuals, or you're prejudiced against lesbians. Say, you're just prejudiced. That has nothing to do with it. We're not prejudiced. 
They say, well, you're just, uh, you're, you're just judgmental. You just judge people. Th- that has nothing to do with being judgmental. And they say, well, really, you, you, you're just hateful. You're just hateful. No. Can a man and woman not have convictions and have convictions and believe that, that what is right and stand for it and in no way be accused of being prejudiced or judgmental or hateful? It's just simply this. We have convictions that come from God, and we'd rather obey God than men. And just like you have convictions, you, you can have those. But friend, you're not going to rob us of our convictions by saying that we're prejudiced or that we're judgmental or that we're hateful. Because we're not. So here we are. Somebody says, well, well, this was the last straw, Brother Fred. When the president came out and made this statement that he approved of same-sex marriages, it means the judgment of God was coming. No, no, you missed that one. When he did that, it means the judgment of God has already come. Did you hear what I said? It's not coming, it's come, it's here. So what are we going to do? Now, i tell you what they want the church to do. They want us to be silent. That's exactly what they want us to do. Just be silent. Don't rock the boat. Let's don't, let's don't mix uh, politics with religion. This has nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do with morality. It's about morality. Listen, we're not picking on anybody. Any sexual activity between a man and a woman or two men or two women, any sexual activity, well, let's just put, let me, let me rephrase this. Any sexual activity outside of marriage, outside the bonds of marriage, whether it is fornication or whether it is adultery or whether it is homosexuality or whether it's lesbianism, any form of sexual activity outside the bonds of marriage is a sin against a holy God. It's a sin against a holy God. It always has been and it always will be. But you don't understand, Brother Fred. You know, the people of America feel different. Somebody told me and it broke my heart that he said, do you realize that 70% of college-age young people believe that same-sex marriage is okay? 70% of college-age students believe that same-sex marriage is fine. I said, do you realize that 65% of the people who live in America now have no moral absolutes? The situation determines if it's right, and the situation determines it's wrong. Do you understand that? You know why? Because God's standard has not been held up by by the religious institutions of this country. I mean, that, you know, it, it used to be that they'd hold up the God, God standard. And the God standard was, thou shalt not commit adultery, honor your father. And, and they'd hold up God's standard. But many, many major religious denominations have not only no longer upheld the God standard, they've embraced the standards of the world. Right in our city, there was a split between the Episcopal Church downtown 
And the church came out and formed the Anglican Church over on Halls Mill Road. Why? Because the Episcopal denomination approved in the ordination of homosexual and lesbian people and accepted them and married them. So no wonder, no wonder there's no moral standard. Because of the silence. Recently, the Presbyterian Church of the USA voted to do that. And that's why a lot of people left Spring Hill Presbyterian Church. Simply because... You say, well, Lord, you're sure called in names. Well, why not? Do we live in a closet? Folks, listen to me. If the church would, would speak up and be honest and, and, and have convictions and pray down the power of God, we could turn the tide on this. But as long as the church is silent, we'll continue to go down the drain and we'll continue to see this country sink into a moral abyss. It's exactly where we'll go. We must hold up the standard of God's Word. And we're not hateful, and we're not prejudiced, and we're not judgmental. We're Christians. You say, well, i got people I work with that embrace that lifestyle. Would you look at me? Love them. Reach out to them. Let them see Christ in you. I, I'm not, I mean, hey. We all have contacts with people. I have friends whose sons and daughters have embraced this lifestyle. Listen, it's just not a matter of us sitting back as self-righteous Pharisees. Our hearts break. Our hearts break when we hear about this. Our hearts break when we hear that here's a man and woman living together and they're not married. Our hearts break when we hear that someone has embraced what they call the alternate lifestyle. Hey, it, it does nothing but break our hearts. And when our lives are intertwined with people that have experienced this, what they need to know is that we love them. We love them and we love sinners, but we hate sin. And who knows how many families, I know even many families that were, I was so close to that this has touched them. And I know the pain they're in. I know the grief they're in. Have they rejected their children? No. They still love them. They still reach out to them. But yet at the same time, they cannot say it's okay. They cannot approve it because they know it's not. But folks, listen now. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Five months, I will be in an election. It's the most... Um, it's the most difficult election I've ever faced. I wish God would raise up somebody that had some moral convictions, don't you? My God, I mean, who do you vote for? I mean, I don't like the position I'm in. You know, when you become a Christian, you don't give up your citizenship. <laughs> you're in the world, but you're not of the world. But I think what God is saying to us that if we're looking for change and trans... Well, this is God. I didn't plan on saying this, but this is God. I think God is saying to us, if we're looking for change and transformation to come out of Washington, we're looking in the wrong place. We better look to heaven and we better look to the living God because it'll not come from anywhere else. And you better believe that, I'm telling you. And I do believe that God is able. I do believe that God is able. 
God still changes the hearts of men and women. God still is able to change lives. And I believe there are Christians in every town and hamlet across this nation. And if God's people would just rise up and have convictions and stand openly and speak, then I believe that God Almighty could use his people to make a difference in this country. Now, I was encouraged. They had an amendment or had a thing before the people of North Carolina on same-sex marriages. And praise God, they voted it down. Thank God for the people of North Carolina. They had one in the House and Senate in Colorado. It never got out and never was. Thank God for that. And I'm just praying as we get closer that more and more people are going to say, listen, buddy, we better, we better not get away. We better get back to the Word of God. And the family's precious to God. But now, you know, I, I just want to take a moment and just show you the, the beautiful picture of, of God has for, 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 for marriage and the family. Just turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. And, and I'm not going to uh, do a lengthy sermon on, on the family, but I, I just want you to see God lays out a plan here. And it's an awesome plan. It's an awesome plan. I'm not surprised that the, 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 the Satan's favorite targets are the family and the church. That, that's it. The family's precious to the heart of God. It was God that created the family. And the church was purchased and paid for by the blood of Jesus. And it is no accident that the enemy, with all the demons of hell, comes against the family and comes against the church. We should expect that from the devil and his demons. But God has such a beautiful, you know, God knew exactly what he was doing. In Ephesians chapter 2, I'm talking about now what the Word of God says about marriage and the family. How beautiful it is. The first thing you've got to understand, for a family to survive, for marriage to be good, you've got to have a right foundation. you just got to have a right foundation. And the right foundation for marriage is that the husband and the wife and the children, when they are of age, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, like it or not, we're selfish. We're self-centered. We want it our way. Well, that, on, that only really changes when Jesus Christ comes to live in us. And then we realize that it's not all about being selfish and self-centered and people making us happy. We realize that it's a matter of knowing God and loving God and having a personal relationship through Jesus Christ with Jesus Christ, and out of that being able to love and to forgive and to build a union. And that's why you've got to understand the foundation of marriage and the family has got to be right. And people will, some people say, well, I disagree with that. Well, that's, that's okay. But I'm going to tell you right now, I know this to be true. Without Jesus Christ, you, you've got about a, a zero chance of making it in your marriage. Without Jesus I'm telling you. So that's why I just felt compelled to read these words. This has got to be the foundation of your marriage. And this has got to be the foundation of your family. But God, this is Ephesians 2, 4. But God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Now listen to this. God is rich in mercy. And his great love 
with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. And, and For by grace you have been saved. He raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by, verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. My wife and I have been married 55 years. I know we don't look like it. I was 12 and she was 11 when we got married. <laughs> and when I married her, I, I mean, I loved her and I love her more now than I did then. And she loved me, but I'll tell you, Christ wasn't at the center of our lives and wasn't in control of our lives. But praise God, after we've been married about uh, almost a year, Jesus Christ became the center of my life and then of her life. And, and I'm going to tell you why we've been married 55 years. It's because of the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. That's the way we've made it for 55 years. You say, well, Brother Fred, I said, listen, I'm a jerk without Jesus. I want you to know that. Well, don't you look pious. I know what you are without Jesus, too. It's Jesus that changes a person's heart. It's Jesus that gives us the capacity to love. It's Jesus that gives us the capacity to forgive. It's Jesus that gives us the capacity to be unselfish. It is Christ that binds people together in marriage. It has to be the foundation. Well, then it goes on and not only shows that we got to have the foundation, but then he says, now listen, I love this verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. Okay, so here's a man and woman. They get married. Okay, so what does the Bible say? <laughs> I love it. Ephesians 5, 20 and 21. It talks about, listen to what it says. In the fifth chapter and uh, the 20th verse, giving thanks always. For all things to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, are you ready? He says, now I want you to give thanks always for all things in the name of the Father to Jesus, through Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another. Now, do you hear what that said? Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. In other words, now, I want you to know I'm... I'm going to rule this marriage. I'm number one. I'm going to rule it. It's going to be my way or the highway. It's probably going to be the highway. Uh, but no, that's not what it says. Submit yourselves. Place yourself under. You don't have to be the boss. Submit yourselves. One to another. In the fear of God. Whew. Out of the reverence and awe of the God who created me and brought us together, we, we submit to each other. I don't have to rule and always have my way. You submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then it goes on. Now, I'm showing you God's pattern for the marriage and the family. And then it says for the husband to provide spiritual leadership for his family. In verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. And it says, husbands, the husband's the head of the wife. He is to provide spiritual headship, spiritual leadership. Does that mean he's a better Christian than the wife? No. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. It is level. 
And uh, the same Jesus that lives in the husband lives in the wife. And there's no spiritual inferiority between a man and a woman as they are in marriage. No, absolutely not. But, you know, there has to be God. God had a plan. Husband, you're the head of your wife. Provide spiritual leadership, spiritual guidance, spiritual support. I mean, be a man of God. Just be a man of God. It says, husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, let their wives be to their husbands. And it's just a matter that you, somebody, you've got to have a leader. You've got to have someone that provides spiritual leadership and guidance. Does that mean that he just does what he wants to do? It means, no, it means that he and his wife pray together about it and make decisions together under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But then does he not only talk about the spiritual leadership in the home, but, but now listen, what he says to the husbands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Have you noticed it's always between a man and a woman? It's not between a man and a man and a woman. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church sacrificially. Jesus loved the church sacrificially. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 28 talks about not only the husband providing spiritual leadership, but he's talking about loving his wife. He says in verse 28, husbands, love your wives as your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes, cherishes, just as the Lord does his church. And then, you know, somebody says, well, you know, Brother Fred, everything you read out of the, um, about marriage was out of the Old Testament. L- listen to what it says right in the middle of, of this talking about uh, marriage and family. Listen to verse 30, uh, 31 of Ephesians. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. This is in the New Testament. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh hey by the way you know they always say well you know jesus never said anything about this or jesus never said anything about that well they don't really know the bible but i want you to know he did really say a lot about marriage in fact i want you to listen to this i meant to read it earlier in matthew 19 in describing the family and marriage i I want to quote jesus i read from genesis but now I i want to read from jesus in the new testament okay about marriage and, what, and family. This is what it says. Matthew 19, 3. Then the Pharisees came to him, testing him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? It, 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 they just had gotten to the place that if you didn't like your wife, you could just write out a bill of divorcement and go hand it to her and walk off. And that's the way it, they'd gotten to that place. And so they came to Jesus and said, Is it all right? For, is, 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 he says, uh, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? She burned the biscuits. You understand what I'm saying? Just any reason. We don't cook biscuits anymore. But anyway, <laughs> we eat out. All right, now listen to how Jesus answered him. He answered and said to them. Now, he said to these Pharisees, have you not read? I love this. From the beginning, he made them male and female. Well, what about that? From the beginning, he made them male and female. And for this reason, 
Jesus is not quoting the Old Testament. A man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. What God has joined together, don't let man put asunder. All right, and then they say, well, okay, okay, all right. But now, in verse 7, well, why did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? Why did Moses say, well, it's all right. All right, you want to hear what Jesus said? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But it was, in the beginning, it was not so. That was not God's original plan. But your heart got so hard, Moses just said, I'm, just go on. Well, but now then Jesus limits it. I want you to listen to what he says now. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, and it means that the wife divorces her husband, Except for sexual immorality. That's the only basis. Anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced, commits adultery. He said, listen. You become one flesh. When the one flesh is broken, then that's the only grounds for divorce and remarriage. There are other grounds for divorce. But that's the only grounds for divorce and remarriage. So it's not like God has not given a pattern. It's not like God has not given a clear word about marriage in the family. It's all over the Word of God. And, and, and I'm going to say this. They can say anything they want to. I don't care who it is and wh- who they are. They can say, well, you know, it's same-sex marriage is fine. It's all right for same-sex couples to adopt children. All that. They can say that, but they are violating the Word of God. It is a sin against God. And all the church says is this, we love you, but that's wrong. We're not going to legalize it. We're going to vote against it every time we can. And if, if you two want to live together, that's your business. But I'll tell you one thing. Don't ask us to approve of it. That is exactly what we're saying. Anything else, they just don't have any argument. So they say you're prejudiced and you, you're judgmental and you, don't, you, you hate us. That, that's a bunch of junk. It goes on and says that... Uh, Here's the key verse to any marriage. I'm I'm winding it up. Look at chapter 5, verse 33. Here's the key marriage, key thing to any marriage. Now, if you get this, man, you've you've done took a long step. You've got to be saved. Husband's got to provide some spiritual leadership. Together, they've got to pray about things. You've got to love your wife and nourish her and cherish her and and all that. But, buddy, it gets right down to this. And if this is gone, then you're in deep, deep, deep trouble. It says... In verse 33, nevertheless, he said, I'm talking about Christ in the church, but he says it applies to marriage too. Nevertheless, let each one of you particular love his own wife as himself. He said, let me conclude about this marriage relationship. You love your wife the way you love yourself. And the wife see that she respect I want you to underline that word, that she respects her husband. Love and respect. If you've got love, boy, you've got a strong bind that binds you. But then if you've got respect, well, I've lost all respect for him. You're in trouble. But you don't understand. I- I'm just saying you're in trouble. 
Somewhere there's got to be forgiveness, and somewhere there's got to be an attempt to correct the things that cause you to lose respect. Because if you live with somebody you have no respect for, you're in deep trouble. So he kind of summed it all up and said, now be sure that you love your wife as yourself. And wife, respect your husband. Love and respect. And then, by the way, it concludes by telling them, it talks about children. It talks about children. Do you know that? The, he talks about the family. He's talking about husband and wife. Now, chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And all the parents said? And by you say, who's a child? Anybody that's not married? <laughs> well, I'm 20. Well, I don't care how old you are. Obey your parents. You say, well, I'm not living at home. Still obey them. They did the right. They, they did, told you the right thing. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. You can't do that if you're married to a man. How, how can you honor your mother when you don't have one? Honor your father and mother when your days may be long. Honor your father and mother that it which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And fathers, don't you provoke your children to wrath. Don't, don't you make them angry. Don't, don't you treat them in a, such a way that, 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 you, that you're creating more problems. And fathers, do not pr- provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let me close by asking you this question. Did you ever think you'd see the day that I'd have to preach a message like this. Did you ever? Th- I never dreamed in my lifetime that I'd ever have to say, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. And that's the only kind of marriage God accepts and, and God recognizes. I, I never thought we'd ever get there, but we're there. Unless a mighty movement in, in, of God with 70% of the college-age students already crossed the line, You say, Brother Fred, you know, judgment is going to come to America. No, no, no. It's already come. But you know, Brother Fred, God will make an exception for America. That's a lie. He will not. He will not. He won't do it. We need revival. We need for every one of us to walk closer to God. We all need to walk closer to Jesus. We all need to have the courage and the boldness to love people and embrace people regardless of their lifestyle. To love them, embrace them, but at the same time love them enough to say, but it's wrong. And it'll never be right. It's never going to be productive. It'll always end up being destructive. Because sin always destroys. Sin never builds up. It always destroys. But we're so happy. Well, not according to statistics you are. Not really. Not really. 